Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 190. Today we are going to hear uh, from the book of 2 Chronicles and 2 Corinthians 6. And in these passages, we'll actually have the story of Josiah repeated in certain ways with additional information about Josiah's reforms and things that he did that changed the people of Israel's experience of God in that time. And what's amazing about this section, I think, is that it gives us a great example of the fact that Josiah is showing us what a heart looks like, what a life looks like that's been impacted by God's grace and his love, that Josiah is showing us what that response to God's reconciliation ought to look like. And so as we look through that, and also in 2 Corinthians 6, I hope this will be uh, an encouragement to your heart, to mine, recognizing that uh, God's grace and his love demands a response in one sense. It, it, it must be something that causes change because he is that gracious and that loving and reconciling us to himself. And so let's read these words, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what the Lord approved and followed in his ancestor David's footsteps. He did not deviate to the left or the right. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek God of his ancestor David. In his twelfth year, he began ridding Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, idols, and images. He ordered the altars of the Baals to be torn down and broke the incense altars that were above them. He smashed the Asherah poles, idols, and images, crushed them, and sprinkled the dust over the tombs of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the pagan priests on their altars. He purified Judah and Jerusalem. In the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and Asherah poles, demolished the idols, and smashed all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. In the 18th year of his reign, he continued his policy of purifying the land and the temple. He sent to Shaphan, son of Azaliah, Masai, the the city official, and Joah, son of Johaz, the secretary to repair the temple of the Lord his God. They went to Hilkiah, the high priest, and gave him the silver that had been brought to God's temple. The Levites who guarded the door had collected it from the people of Manasseh and Ephraim and from all who were left in Israel, as well as from the people of Judah and Benjamin and the residents of Jerusalem. They handed it, to, oh, handed it over to the construction foreman assigned to the Lord's temple. They, in turn, paid the temple workers to restore and repair it. They gave money to the craftsmen and builders to buy chiseled stone and wood for the braces and rafters of the building that the kings of Judah had allowed to fall into disrepair. The men worked faithfully. Their supervisors were Jahath and Obadiah, Levites descended from Merari, as well as Zechariah and Meshulam, descendants of Kohath. The Levites, all of whom were skilled musicians, supervised the laborers and all the foremen on their various jobs. Some of the Levites were scribes, officials, and guards. When they took out the silver that had been brought to the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest found the law scroll the Lord had given to Moses. Hilkiah informed Shaphan, the secretary, saying, I found the law scroll in the Lord's temple. Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan, who brought 
brought the scroll to the king and reported, Your servants are doing everything assigned to them. They melted down the silver in the Lord's temple and handed it over to the supervisors and the construction foremen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. Shaphan read it out loud before the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. The king ordered Hilkiah, Ahikim, son of Shaphan, Abdan, son of Micah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go ask the Lord for me and for those who remain in Israel and Judah about the words of this scroll that has been discovered. For the Lord's great fury has been ignited against us because our ancestors did not obey the word of the Lord by living according to all that is written in this scroll. So Hilkiah and the others sent by the king went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, son of Tokath, the son of Hazra, the supervisor of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the Mishnah district. They stated their business, and she said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Say this to the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I am about to bring disaster on this place and its residents, all the curses that are recorded in the scroll which they read before the king of Judah. This will happen because they have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to other gods, angering me with all their idols they have made. My anger will ignite against this place and will not be extinguished. Say this to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek an oracle from the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says concerning the words you have heard. You displayed a sensitive spirit and a humble and humbled yourself before God when you heard his words concerning this place and its residents. You humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes, and wept before me, and I have heard you, says the Lord. Therefore, I will allow you to die and be buried in peace. You will not have to witness all the disaster I will bring on this place and its residents. Then they reported back to the king. The king summoned all the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the Lord's temple, accompanied by all the people of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, the priests, and the Levites. All the people were there, from the oldest to the youngest. He read aloud all the words of the scroll of the covenant that had been discovered in the Lord's temple. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant before the Lord, agreeing to follow the Lord and obey his commandments, laws, and rules with all his heart and being by carrying out the terms of this covenant recorded on this scroll. He made all who were in Jerusalem and in Benjamin agree to it. The residents of Jerusalem acted in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the areas belonging to the Israelites and encouraged all who were in Israel to worship the Lord their God. Throughout the rest of his reign, he did not turn aside from following the Lord God of their ancestors. Josiah observed a Passover festival for the Lord in Jerusalem. They slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the first month. He appointed the priests to fulfill their duties and encouraged them to carry out their service in the Lord's temple. He told the Levites who instructed He told the Levites who instructed all Israel about all things consecrated to the Lord, saying, Place the holy ark in the temple which King Solomon, son of David of Israel, built. Don't carry it on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves by your families according to your divisions, as instructed in writing by King David of Israel and his son Solomon. Stand in the sanctuary and together with the Levites, represent the family divisions of your countrymen. Slaughter the Passover lambs, consecrate yourselves, and make preparations for your countrymen to celebrate according to the Lord's message which came through Moses. From his own royal flocks and herds, Josiah supplied the people with 30,000 lambs and goats for the Passover sacrifice, as well as 3,000 cattle. His officials also willingly contributed to the people, priests, and Levites. 
Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the leaders of God's temple, gave the priests 2,600 Passover sacrifices and 300 cattle. Conaniah and his brother Shemaiah and Nathaniel, Nathanel, sorry, along with Hashbabiah and Jeel and Josabad, the officials of the Levites, supplied the Levites with 5,000 Passover sacrifices and 500 cattle. Preparations were made, and the priests stood at their posts and the Levites in their divisions, as prescribed by the king. They slaughtered the Passover lambs, and the priests splashed the blood while the Levites skinned the animals. They reserved the burnt offerings and the cattle for the family divisions of the people to present to the Lord as prescribed in the scroll of Moses. They cooked the Passover sacrifices over the open fire as prescribed and cooked the consecrated offerings in pots, kettles, and pans. They quickly served them to all the people. Afterward, they made preparations for themselves and for the priests because the priests, the descendants of Aaron, were offering burnt sacrifices and fat portions until evening. The Levites made preparations for themselves and for the priests and descendants of Aaron. The musicians, the descendants of Asaph, manned their posts, as prescribed by David. Asaph, Haman, and Jehuthun, the king's prophet. The guards at the various gates did not leave to, need to leave their posts, for their fellow Levites made preparations for them. So all the preparations for the Lord's service were made that day. As the Passover was observed and the burnt sacrifices were offered on the altar of the Lord as prescribed by King Josiah. So the Israelites, all the Israelites who were present, observed the Passover at that time, as well as the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. A Passover like this had not been observed in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had observed a Passover like this one, celebrated by Josiah, the priests and the Levites, all the people of Judah and Israel who were there, and the residents of Jerusalem. This Passover was observed in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. After Josiah had done all this for the temple, King Necho of Egypt marched up to do battle at Carchemish on the Euphrates River. Josiah marched out to oppose him. Necho sent messengers to him saying, Why are you opposing me, O king of Judah? I am not attacking you today, but the kingdom with which I am at war. God told me to hurry, stop opposing God, who is with me, or else he will destroy you. But Josiah did not turn back from him. He disguised himself for the battle. He did not take seriously the words of Necho that he had received from God. He went to fight him in the plain of Megiddo. Archers shot King Josiah, and the king ordered his servants, Take me out of this chariot, for I am seriously wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot, put him in another chariot that he owned, and brought him to Jerusalem, where he died. He was buried in the tombs of his ancestors. All the people of Judah and Jerusalem mourned Josiah. Jeremiah composed laments for Josiah, which all of the male and female singers used to mourn Josiah to this very day. It has become customary in Israel to sing these. They are recorded in the book of laments. The rest of the events of Josiah's reign, including the faithful acts he did in obedience to what is written in the law of the Lord and his accomplishments from start to finish, are recorded in the scroll of the kings of Israel and Judah. So there we have the life of Josiah again described, as well as lots more detail about the Passover that was done. And it shows the heart of Josiah, really, not perfect as we see at the end, but the heart of Josiah that was changed and turned to want to serve God, to obey God, to want to do what was right, to want to do what God saw was pleasing, and to have other people join him in doing it, not in some way of earning God's grace and love, but in his response to God's reconciliation towards him. 
And now let's turn to 2 Corinthians 6, where we continue to see this same attitude of how to respond to God's reconciling love. 2 Corinthians 6. Now, because we are fellow workers, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For God says, I heard you at the acceptable time, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. We do not give anyone on an occasion for taking an offense in anything, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as God's servants, we have commended ourselves in every way, with great endurance and persecutions and difficulties and distresses and beatings and imprisonments and riots and troubles and sleepless nights and hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by benevolence, by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by truthful teaching, by the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, both for the right hand and for the left through glory and dishonor, through slander and praise, regarded as impostors and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and yet, see, we continue to live, as those who are scourged and yet not executed, as sorrowful but always rejoicing, as poor but making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide to you, our affection for you is not restricted, but you are restricted in your affection for us. Now, as a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your heart to us also. Do not become partakers with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship does light have with darkness? And what agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer share in common with an unbeliever? And what mutual agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will live in them and will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the all-powerful Lord." There's the Apostle Paul calling people in Corinth to turn to God in repentance and faith, but to live in response to God's gracious love to them in a way that calls them to be obedient, to trust God no matter the circumstances, and to find increasingly a desire to do what's right, wise, and loving, to serve God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to serve and love each other as God has intended. May that be our desire, the desires of all who see the wonder of God's reconciling love and respond in faith and obedience. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.